There is nothing our provincial government has done to help workers through the pandemic. Every bit of help that has come has come through the federal government. Put your money where your mouth is and prove to those employees, to those workers, that they are supporting this province. They are what's putting this province through the pandemic. This is Pandemic at Work, an SGU podcast. My name is Amy Husiak, and I will be your host for this limited series, where we will be exploring how COVID-19 has affected workers within SGEU and across our province, and also what we have collectively learned about what still needs to change to make life better for working people. We're launching this podcast on Labor Day, a holiday rooted in the struggles of the working class. Labor Day began in Canada in April of 1872. At that time, trade unions were still illegal, but labor organizers persevered and the Toronto Trades Assembly organized 27 unions and more than 10,000 people in a massive demonstration in support of the nine-hour workday. Since then, we have largely achieved a lot of the goals of Canada's early trade union movement, like the eight-hour workday, minimum wages, child labor laws and occupational health and safety, and more other modern victories like parental leave and equal pay for equal work. Our experiences as workers today have been directly impacted by the vision and actions of generations of labour activists here in Saskatchewan and around the world. However, the COVID-19 pandemic showed the public what unions have known for a long time. There are still many gaps in protections for workers. And in fact, some of the things the labour movement has won have been clawed back by right-wing governments or lost to ever more powerful corporate influences. Issues affecting workers are complicated and interconnected. Our lives at work are deeply affected by so many of the big issues in our communities. Precarious work, low wages, the high costs of housing and childcare, the privatization of healthcare, racism, reconciliation, the list goes on. It's clear that the labor movement has a lot more work to do, organizing workers to be stronger than ever coming out of COVID-19. Today we're going to talk about what the last year has taught us about the role of unions in society with two powerful leaders in Saskatchewan's labour movement. Tracy Sauer, President of SGEU, and Lori Job, President of the Saskatchewan Federation of Labour. Welcome to the show and happy Labour Day. Thank you and happy Labour Day to you and to all the workers out there. Thank you for having us. So this is our second Labour Day living with COVID. And unions and workers have been living with the consequences of this pandemic for about 18 months. We've seen some pretty big differences in the experiences of workers across different parts of our economy. So I want to begin by asking you both, what would this pandemic have looked like for workers if unions didn't exist at all? Lori, let's start with you. Okay, that's a great question. And it's a great way to kick this conversation off. One of the things I think that comes to my mind immediately is the fact that once the pandemic hit workers and their union stepped up in a very big way. We became a lot more relevant. I think that things that we've been working towards and fighting for, for decades, were definitely uh, a light was shone on that. I totally agree with Lori. We have uh, for many, many years as labor organizations and workers alike have been trying to address the problems in the workplace and unsafe working conditions, as well as our concerns for the the people that we are working for, serving in healthcare, corrections, highways, etc. And and we have not been heard 
We have not been heard until finally something so catastrophic had to happen to open the eyes of the employers and the government. So what have unions been doing over the past 18 months to make things better for workers? Well, I think immediately we were out of the gate with um, worker safety and making sure that people were still um, being involved in safety in the workplaces. We saw many people being removed from their workplaces. Um, Some were completely out of work and some were working from home. But another thing we saw that was very obvious is that occupational health and safety was not part of the conversation in any way. So I think that we were able to fill that void. Um, We spoke up immediately. We were talking to workers. We were training. We were doing webinars and reminding workers that they have occupational health and safety laws that can protect them. Um, But another real important key fact is the workers that do not have access to a union because we were there for mm-hmm. all working people and not just unionized workers and we, we the response we got was incredible like really people reaching out and actually paying attention to what the labor movement was doing I think that was very very key you know when all of this happened one of the first thing unions started to do was uh, contact their employers and say we need to meet we need to find some resolve and work together to overcome the the worst situation that we're under. Um, not only were we working for for our members, but like Laurie said, for, for all general public and, and workers out there, because we knew what we could bring forward to help our members and our workers could be rolled out to the rest of the workers across the province. Tracy, can you talk a little bit about some of the gains that have been made by the labour movement that do benefit all workers? Well, we've been um, doing a lot, a lot of fighting for all workers lately. We've been very strong saying that we believe we are a union for all workers because we believe that SGU is one of the leading unions in our province. Some of those uh, improvements have been throughout the years. uh, Not only SGU has done it, but labor movement, of course, about uh, paid sick days, maternity leave. OH&S in the workplace. We've had people that have been very scared to come forward in the workplace to bring forward fears, anxieties, um, unsafe work. And now they have the protection of unions. They have the protection of occupational health and safety, and they're making work much safer for all. Yeah. And and Tracy made some really great points there. And I think just to add to that, at our office in particular, we were getting calls from workers that, like I said, didn't have the benefit of a union, but didn't have anywhere else to go either. All of a sudden, they are working from home. Their kids aren't going to school or or they're not working from home and they don't have access to childcare. Um, there was just so many different combinations. And, and I remember speaking to one young teacher in particular who had young children at home. And the the challenges that she faced by homeschooling her kids, preparing classes and having to present to her classes virtually, and then dealing with the parents in the evenings because the parents didn't know um, what to do and they didn't know how to help their kids. They didn't know how to deliver home-based education. So like she said, her day started at seven o'clock in the morning and it was often midnight before she could you know, go to bed and then she couldn't sleep because she's worrying about what tomorrow's going to bring. And this was just one example. There was so many examples of workers that were dealing with this. Workers in the service industry that um, were working two or three jobs to make ends meet. And all of a sudden, if they're even able to go to work, they can only work in one place. So their income might have been cut to a third. And then trying to get by and and make ends meet. And just with nobody there to help them, no answers. There was no access 
to help for uh, many, many workers. So it was great that we were able to provide that. I think that we did all we could. And I don't know if we did enough, but, you know, it was a certainly a challenging time. It still is. The challenges are just different now. I want to talk about the political side of this a little more because there have been a lot of mixed opinions on how the SAS party government has handled our province's pandemic response. Um, Tracy, I'll, I'll put this question to you first. Do you think Premier Mo and the government have done enough to support working people in this province through the pandemic? That's a hard no. I do not believe they have done enough. Um, I think they gave at, at the beginning, like all of us, we were all working through it to try to, to figure out what was the best approach. They've had many opportunities to listen to the to the workers by the unions who've been going to all these meetings to explain what needs to be done and what has been needed for this province to succeed through this pandemic. And they have not listened to the workers. By not listening to the workers of the province, how do they expect to have the province continue to be safe? Laurie, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's definitely a hard no. In fact, I would even go further and say that there is nothing our provincial government has done to help workers through the pandemic. Every bit of help that has come has come through the federal government, um, whether it's CERB or whether it's wage top up. We know for a fact that much of the wage top up that was intended for frontline healthcare workers did not get to the workers. Our provincial government decided who was going to get it and who wasn't. And it, it was not evenly distributed. It was not fair in any way. And unfortunately, I believe the money that remains is sitting in the treasury and workers will never see it. Everything we called for was either ignored or denied um, in terms of like um, access to paid sick time time off to care for people while they were ill or to make sure that they were in, if they were in quarantine to make sure they were able to stay home and pay their bills none of those calls were answered if i may add to that too another thing that the government uh, has been doing is blaming the workers for this pandemic and we need to stop blaming the workers. We need to ensure that employers have safe work practices in their, their workplaces. And we have to ensure that the government is enforcing safe work practices in those workplaces throughout this pandemic. When workers have gone to work and they know that they, they may be uh, contracting COVID within the workplace and they're going home to families. They're worrying about their clients, they're worrying about patients, they're worrying about the, the people that come into their businesses and they're worrying about their own children, elderly parents, and yet they get blamed for bringing COVID to the workplace. Uh, th that has to stop. It's that kind of individualizing of responsibility that I think we've heard from this government quite a bit, that it comes down to the actions of individuals and it's not a collective. Am I kind of understanding what you're saying there, right? Yes, totally. Lori, what do you think of that? Yeah, and I, I think that that's a really, really good point. And we've seen it. We've seen it recently, but we've seen it all through the whole response from the government on the pandemic is that if COVID is in a, in a workplace, it's coming from the workers. And that could be, I'm not saying in some cases it's not, but let's think about then the worker. Let's think about what is happening in their lives that puts them in that situation where they are coming to work, maybe potentially with an infection. They have no ability to stay home. 
They have no ability to monitor their families and to say, you know what, I might have been at, in contact or I might have been at risk. I think I better take care of myself now so that I'm not spreading this around. There's nothing there. There's no protections for workers. So they're put in an impossible situation. And then in turn, they're either bringing COVID home to their families, which we see and we've heard about that many, many times, or perhaps they're bringing it to the workplace. But it's no fault of their own. And it certainly shouldn't be our provincial government that is pointing the fingers at these working people. That is atrocious. And part of that, too, is because lots of workers in this province are underpaid. So how are we going to protect our members, our workers, our province, if people cannot have the ability to stay home if they're sick, if they do not have the ability to stay home if their child is sick? What are we going to do to ensure that we can keep the province safe? That is something the government has in its power to correct and they need to step up. Well, and it's quite frustrating that, I mean, we're now 18 months into this pandemic and some of these fundamental questions about worker protections just haven't been addressed. Uh, Lori, I know that the Saskatchewan Federation of Labour has been working on a campaign around paid sick days for all workers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. And and we are proud also to partner with Federation of Labour's across the country on a joint campaign to push for um, access to paid sick time. We know that many people made the decision to go to work ill because they can't afford not to. They had bills to pay. They had, might have medications. If you have a choice between going to work ill and buying groceries for your kids, probably 11 out of 10 are going to make the decision to go to work. And, you know, it's the, the choice has been taken away from them because they can't afford to stay home. And so, yeah, this is something that is very, very important. We are happy to see that the federal government is now working on something. Um, perhaps we'll see the outcome of the ongoing federal election about where that lands, but federal workers will have access to paid sick time. That's a really important step. And I think that that's something that we'll be able to build on. So hopefully um, we can make our provincial government understand the importance. Imagine how if people would have been able to stay home and not go to work ill, the impact that would have had on the spread of COVID-19 and the variants that are happening right now. But unfortunately, people did not have that choice. So it is critical and it's something that we will continue to push for. Um, we hear a lot about how can you afford extra paid sick days? And I guess the response is how can we not? And one of the, the things that we've discovered, and it's it's proven not only in Saskatchewan, but across the province, and it's the same thing with the, the our horrendous minimum wage, it's that the small businesses are doing it already. The local businesses, the mom and pop shops are already paying their workers more. They're already paying them if they're ill. It's the big corporations, the multi-billion dollar McDonald's and Walmarts and Tim Hortons that are the ones that are denying these benefits that are paying the low wages, that are not paying sick time and making sure that people don't have access to full-time employment. And they're the companies that made billions of dollars, especially during the pandemic. Large grocery store chains. There's so much that needs to be said about that. Um, remember the $2 wage top up that many were able to enjoy. And then, and it was only a couple of months into the pandemic. All of a sudden they decided enough of that. That is our profit that's going not to us, but to the workers, and they stopped it. And like, it's those kinds of things that to me is just shocking. Like treat your workers better. Workers in the front line, grocery store workers, bus drivers, like there's an endless list, healthcare workers, of course, but they're the ones that were put at risk every single day 
with really no benefits, no access to sick time in many situations, very, very low wages. And they were the ones that were taking the brunt of it from the public that was upset about everything that's going on. So there's never been enough said about frontline, especially those in retail and grocery stores. They need better protections and we need to be their voice. And we can do that. I want to dig into what you've just said a little bit, Lori, because we have this kind of idea of frontline heroes. You know, we see signs up in uh, grocery store windows and in the houses of people in communities. And we've heard a lot of kind words from the premier, from the prime minister, from world leaders thanking frontline workers. And while thanks is definitely appropriate in this situation, I would think, there's this kind of mythology that's been built around frontline workers that isn't necessarily really true that kind of, you know, frontline workers are doing everything they can out of the goodness of their hearts. And while a lot of people are very committed to their jobs, I I also know there's a lot of people who would have rather opted out when their jobs weren't safe. And so, like, what what is your response to that? What do you think about um, the gap between how much we thank frontline workers and the gaps that still exist in terms of safety protections and wages for those workers. Well, and respect. Um, that's that's a key part of that as well. Because like I said, these workers have been there from the very beginning. They were the ones that had to go to work when everything else was shut down because they were an essential service. Like I said, whether it's a grocery store, a healthcare worker, bus drivers, they were all de- deemed essential. So they needed to be at work. And there was recognition and I do believe and I still believe that they are heroes, that those are the ones that got us through the pandemic and are continuing to get us through the pandemic. And at the end of the day, it'll be because of the dedication of those workers that gets us through. We've seen recently our Minister of Health thank healthcare workers for getting us through and being there for for all of us. And in the same sentence, he said, and the reason why we have a shortage is because they're all on vacation right now. And that is shocking that that is so out of touch. Our government is so out of touch of of what the frontline workers have done in our province to get us through this. And we need to recognize that and we need to, you know, lift them up every way that we can. Tracy, what's your take on the gap between uh, the thanks we show frontline workers and then the actual reality for those workers? Well, I believe the gap between the thanks and the reality is... um the acknowledgement, the respect. Yes, uh, the, the pay would be nice for all workers and increase. They, their risks are much higher. Um, I know lots of the grocery store workers or retail industry have been, as the pandemic goes on and you see it in, in the hospitals and as well, that people are upset and they take it out on those workers. So not only now are they uh, up against the possibility of uh, contracting COVID in the workplace or community for that matter, but there's also the possibility of being yelled at, uh, sworn at, threatened. Where Where's the compensation? Where's the support? Where's the mental health support is and sick day support is just as important to these workers as is the $2 an hour recognition pay. And I say recognition pay because it shouldn't be a top up. It should be recognition pay for everybody that thank you for seeing us through and thank you for supporting this province. 
there are extra costs to some of these people. Some of these workers, when the schools were shut down, now they had to find daycare. Some don't have um, the the luxury of benefits and the mental health supports that others have, and the stress uh, the stress of a pandemic. We all know how it is on everybody. So how do we support them? Is $2 an hour enough to say thank you for a job well done? Probably not, but guess what? It's a start. And it doesn't matter if they're our SGU members. Uh, I, I cannot express how proud I am of them to work through this pandemic as they have. Many of our members have worked short. They have been, um, in in lots of instances, accused of bringing it into the COVID into the workplace. They have not had the acknowledgement that they need to say thank you. You've done a great job. We couldn't have done it without you. And I know that um, uh, the billboard saying you are a hero doesn't always cut it. You you need to prove, put your money where your mouth is and prove to those employees, to those workers that they are supporting this province. They are what's putting this province through the pandemic and the government needs to step up and assist those employers if, if they need the help and the finances and assist them to help bring this province through this pandemic. So to bring this back to Labor Day a holiday where we're celebrating the achievements of the labor movement. Paint us a picture of what still needs to change. I think that we need to continue talking about things like occupational health and safety and shining a light on things like long-term care and the shortages that happen there, whether it's funding, um, staffing, all of those things. We need to pay people a living wage. People need to be able to go to work and, and to be able to pay their bills at the end of the day. We need to see that continue, and it can't just be a wage top-up during a pandemic. It needs to be continued long after the pandemic. We know for a fact, if workers are making their money, especially low-wage earners, they're spending every penny they get in their communities. They're not putting it in a bank account. They're not buying yachts or going on cruises. They're buying groceries and, and supporting the services in their communities. So I don't know why it's not so obvious to the, the powers that be and our provincial government that pay the people what they need, and our our economy is going to grow as well. They need to have access to paid sick time so that they can understand that they're respected at work. Because one of the things that we've seen is that people don't feel appreciated, even though every time they open the newspaper or turn on the TV or look at a billboard, it says you're a hero. They don't feel like heroes. They feel like they've been taken advantage of and that they are still at every turn getting kicked. So we need to find a way that workers feel appreciated and are appreciated. And I think that there's a lot our provincial government can do about that. And they're just not. Tracy, I'll give you the last word. Same question. What do we still have left to accomplish as a labor movement here in Saskatchewan coming through COVID? You know, I, I was thinking and, and listening um, while Lori was talking. And, and I was thinking a lot about the great movement that labor has done in the past. And and because it happened so long ago that nobody even thinks about it anymore as a success. And that success was a 40-hour work week. Guess what? Most of the workers now do not have a 40-hour work week because they cannot afford to live on a 40-hour work week. So there is no family uh, work-life balance at all left uh, for lots of these workers. 
And I think we need to quit concentrating on living with COVID or living through COVID. And let's concentrate on living. Let's concentrate on giving workers a life. Because right now, many workers don't have a life. If they don't have a 40-hour work week, if they don't have sick leave, if they're underpaid, if they're undervalued, they don't have the life that they need. Everybody needs to have some meaning in their lives. And if you're undervalued, underappreciated, working your butt to the bone so that you can support your families at home, what is your family getting from you? They're getting a paycheck that can barely cover their housing, can barely put clothes on their kids' back. So let's concentrate on improving the work life of the workers of Saskatchewan. So it sounds like you're both saying this Labor Day is a call to action for unions, for the government, for employers, and for everybody that this is still 18 months into the pandemic There are still so many gaps for workers, and there are still so many things that need to change. And it's interesting because I've heard you both say now that unions are more relevant than ever, and as a leading voice in this conversation, we have a lot of work to do. So I really want to thank you both for coming on our first ever podcast. Thanks so much for coming, Lori. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be part of this. Thank you for the invitation. And thanks so much for coming, Tracy. Thank you, Amy. This has been wonderful. And I look so forward to future podcasts because I know how meaningful they will be for all workers. That's it for our first episode of Pandemic at Work. Coming up on this podcast, we're going to have five more episodes touching on topics like mental health for workers throughout the pandemic, long-term care, corrections, and the impact of the pandemic on women. If you have a story about issues you've faced in the workplace during the pandemic, we want to hear from you. Get in touch on Twitter at SGEU or on Facebook at SGEU.SK, or you can send us an email at podcast at SGEU.org. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of Pandemic at Work. Next week, we're talking about long-term care with two guests who will talk about what we need to do to fix our understaffed, overworked, and struggling long-term care system here in Saskatchewan. It's not going to get any easier on these workers in the immediate future. It's only going to get more difficult unless we recognize the strain that they're under. We've tried for many years to uh, make changes for the betterment in long-term care. And to me, it seems like it's fallen on deaf ears. This has been an SGEU podcast. The Saskatchewan Government and General Employees Union represents 20,000 members across the province in six sectors and is affiliated with the National Union of Public and General Employees, the Saskatchewan Federation of Labour, and the Canadian Labour Congress. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at sgeu.org.